with this new church liturgical year, we start the season of Advent. And it's good just to kind of remember what this season is all about. Advent is the season where we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. The word Advent means coming, the coming of the one who is awaited. And really, we celebrate three comings of Christ in Advent. First of all, his coming in history 2,000 years ago, born in Bethlehem. Secondly, the second coming, the final coming of Christ at the end of history. And thirdly, we celebrate the coming of Christ here and now for each of us. Every day, Christ reveals himself to us, and we don't want to miss him. We want to receive his coming into our lives each and every day. Every year, Advent is four weeks long, and those four Sundays of Advent always have the same themes in the gospel. The first Sunday of Advent is always about the second coming, calling us to be vigilant for when the Lord comes again. The second and third Sundays of Advent are always about John the Baptist, the final prophet God sent to prepare Israel, to prepare the world for the birth of his son in time. And then the fourth Sunday of Advent is always about the story of how Jesus is conceived inside the womb of Mary, his mother, without the involvement of a human father. This year we'll hear on Sunday from the Gospel of Matthew because we're in year A of the lectionary, so it's all from Matthew this year. So that's a little bit about the season. Let's now turn to our our readings for today. The readings today have a strong theme about sleep. St. Paul writes, It is the hour now for you to awake from sleep, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And then Jesus says, stay awake. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. So it is with the Son of Man. In the Bible, sleep is usually a negative thing. Sleep is usually associated with a kind of deafness to God's word. If you're asleep and someone talks to you, you can't hear that. You don't know what they're saying. You're, you're deaf to that word. You aren't answering that word. Sleep also has to do with the spiritual image of spiritual darkness. That deeds of the flesh, sin is done, and it's hidden in the darkness. It's, it's covered over. So St. Paul writes about these different desires of the flesh he names that happen in darkness so often. Orgies, drunkenness, promiscuity, lust, rivalry, and jealousy. And sleep also, in the Bible, has the spiritual sense of not remembering what's truly valuable. If you're drowsy, you're sleepy, you don't remember what's truly valuable. Think about that. Jesus talks about the master of the house staying awake. Well, the master of the house wants to prevent the thief from coming because there's something valuable in the house to guard. There's something meaningful there. You don't guard things that are worthless. You don't keep watch over things that really don't have much value. You remember what's valuable and you stay awake to protect it. I have several friends who in the past have studied in Rome. And in Rome there is lots of pickpocketing, muggings, theft. You always have to be on your guard. And so when my friends were walking back and forth to their universities... 
you know, they were carrying their wallet, their cell phone, maybe a laptop in a laptop bag or a backpack. And they had to be really cautious and aware, remembering they had valuable stuff on them to ward off the pickpockets. But sometimes, you know, they would leave all that stuff back in their dorm room and they would just go out for a stroll or a walk in the Eternal City or a jog. And because they had nothing valuable on them, they could kind of let their guard down a little bit. They didn't need to be like super vigilant because even if someone stopped them or said, hey, give me your cash, it's like, hey, like, I got nothing for you today. You know, you get your mesh shorts and a jogging shirt on, like, you know, good luck. So we could say they could be a little bit, a little bit sleepy, actually, when they left those valuable things safe at home. There's a problem, though, when we think about our lives as Christians with Jesus. And the problem is this, that it's not possible to leave the valuables of our soul at home for the day. There's no day that we can wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to start my day, leave the house, and everything that's most valuable, valuable in my soul, I'm just going to leave it on the kitchen table and I'll get it later. My prayer, my faith, the call to do good deeds, my friendship with God. Like you can never just leave them there and pick them up at the end of the day or maybe a whole week goes by and you, know, and you think, oh, those things are safe back there. I'll pick them up eventually and get back to that stuff. It doesn't work like that. We never get to have a day like that. Why? Because what's most valuable in our souls is not something that's on us like a wallet or a laptop. It's something that's in us. It's the grace of God in you. It's the life of Jesus in you. It's God in your soul. He's always with you. There's never a day when we get to just say, you know what, I'm just going to go asleep and I'll come back to this later because those things are kept safe somewhere else. There's no neutral ground in the spiritual life. We're either awake and making progress or we're asleep and we're falling behind. We're walking backwards. Now, if this is true, then why do we tend to fall asleep spiritually so often? Why does it seem like it's really easy to just let a day or a week or maybe even longer go by where we just aren't even mindful that we have this, this value in our souls that needs to be protected? I think one of the greatest reasons why we fall asleep spiritually is that we forget the greatness of our calling. We forget the value that Christ has given to us. We forget how how much he's saved us from everything of darkness and evil. We forget the great adventure of life with Christ. There's not a single person here who God calls to mediocrity. No one here does God ever say to, you know, I just want you to kind of drift through life, like say some prayers, like do some holy things, go to church, but just kind of do your own thing and, and remember me now and then and I'll give you some blessings here and there. God calls every single person here, every single person on the planet to a great adventure with Jesus Christ in this life. Shot through with beauty and love and glory and adventure and risk 
and courage and even agony and tragedy, but, but glorious with God nonetheless. We have such a valuable destiny that God has planted within our souls. And then we forget that, that, that our life matters to Christ, that our life matters to God, that our life is so important to God, he has purchased it back from the thief of our souls, the enemy. He's purchased it back by the price of his blood. I think when we, when we forget the value of our adventure in this life with Christ, we get drowsy. You know, the first reading we heard from Isaiah 2 talks a little bit in prophecy about what our life is meant to be life, like even on this earth. Isaiah says, In that day, all nations shall stream toward the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob. That's the temple in Jerusalem. For from Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord will come forth from Jerusalem. Friends, that's a prophecy about us. Now that the Messiah has come, we, you and I have come, not to Mount Zion in Israel, but we've come to the altar of the church. And God speaks to us. God teaches us, literally, in this place. The word of the Lord pours forth from this place. And whatever nation you come from, whatever your background is, like all of us have streamed towards the Lord. And we know him. He reveals himself to us. And not only that, it says that they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Like now that we've met the Messiah, now that we know Jesus, all those things in our life that we would use to hurt others, to stab others, to hurt ourselves, to, to make war over the earth, we've beat them into instruments of peace. They're now things that bring forth life from the earth. They're things that, that feed the hungry. They're things that produce love We've become a people who have met the Lord in Mount Zion, been called to a holy calling and adventure of life, even to begin to remove the scourge of war from the earth. We've been called to be peacemakers, to facilitate the kingdom of God to break into everyone's life so they also can join the adventure of living this life on earth with Christ. That's the greatness of our calling. So for that reason, we should stay awake and remember that, and we should actually compare that kind of destiny we're called to to those desires of the flesh that promise so much and deliver so little. We have to keep that eternal perspective to how God has called us to live now and forever so that we can say no to those things which might give us intense pleasure for a moment and they just leave us empty. Things where we might say to ourselves, oh, like if only I could pursue that relationship and have that person in my life, but it's not going to be good for us. It's going to fall apart. It's not holy. Those times when we might say, if I could just go to that website for just a little bit, I'd have so much pleasure, but it'll leave you high and dry. Or if I could just say this thing to this person who always gets on my nerves, if I could just take my revenge with that perfect little jab. But no, you're, you're called to more than that. You're made for more than that. You're a peacemaker now. 
or if I could just drink this thing, or if I, if I could just put this thing into my body, it would feel so good. There'd be so much relief. But that's not walking in the light. You've been called to such a higher adventure than that. You've been called to remember that so that the enemy of our souls doesn't come back and rob us of the value that's within us, the goodness that's within us in Jesus. The good news is that we don't have to be drowsy. We don't have to fall asleep because we have the grace of God within us. Jesus Christ is awake day and night at the Father's right hand, interceding for you, praying for you, that you might be vigilant and receive him in your life every day to live that great adventure of letting God lead you in everything, to know his love and his grace and his glory, even now on this earth. This is what Advent is meant to stir us awake to once again. So this Advent... Friends, here's just three simple things you can do to remember how valuable is the grace of God in your soul. First of all, this Advent, build silence into your days. Build silence into your day. And I would suggest to fast from videos, streaming, social media, the endless scrolling on the phone, And as you fast from that and just let yourself be in silence, even the awkward silence, let yourself feel the ache for God. And he'll come and pour his love into you in your ache. Second, build prayer into each day this Advent. At least 10 minutes of just solid prayer, undistracted, if not more. Make that a non-negotiable. There's no way I'm giving this up today. Maybe spend that time reading the Advent readings for Mass for the weekend or for the weekdays. Just ponder God's Word speaking to you. Third, this Advent, celebrate reconciliation. The Sacrament of Reconciliation is a Red Bull for the soul. It jostles you awake. You become so attentive to the the words of the Lord when you celebrate that sacrament of mercy. And we have an opportunity, December 14th, to have this time together as a community to celebrate the Lord's mercy, to be reconciled to God, who's called us to such great things, called us to heaven. This Advent, brothers and sisters, don't sleep, stay awake. Remember the value of, of your calling. Remember the greatness of the adventure you're called to live with God in this life, in Jesus Christ. You know, the reason that the Father sent his Son into the world at Christmas was not to go get junk. God doesn't make junk, God doesn't protect junk. God comes into the world to save and rescue something so good, but that's wounded and broken. He comes as a physician, drawn, magnetized by the patient, the victim, who's bleeding, who needs help. The reason why the Son of God came into the world at Christmas was to find something valuable and restore it. 
The reason the Father sent his son Jesus to be born into the world on Christmas Day, brothers and sisters, the reason why Jesus was sent is you. You. 